are. Hello, 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 everyone. It's Dr. Tamar Beckford with Your Caring Dogs, where we're helping our busy professional women put their health and wellness first for just two hours a month. Two hours a month. That's right. Two out of the 730 hours that we have in the month to do everything that's on your plate. You're going to dedicate two to yourself, all right? So our Your Caring Docs, Docs Who Cares podcast, we have the wonderful, wonderful guest today, Dr. Pooja Agarwal, and I am going to tell you all about her and bring her in in our Your Caring Docs fashion. All righty, so Dr. Pooja is a graduate of the Northeastern Ohio Medical University, that's right, then she did her training in neurology at the Ohio State University. So all of our The Ohio State University <laughs> people, stand up. Hello. I know I can't just say like Ohio State. I got to add the, <laughs> the Ohio State. So I have. All righty. And then as with most of my doc, they go further. So she wanted to help more people. So she got more training. Right. So she did a fellowship in epilepsy at Cornell University, New York Presbyterian Hospital, or Presby, as we say in the Northeast, because we don't have time to say the entire word. We're like, yeah, she go to Presby, right? <laughs> so New York Presby Hospital. She's also a professional life coach, and she's helping female professionals with burnout. So today, let's welcome, 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 Dr. Pooja Agarwal. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on your show. I love your show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for stopping by. Now we are about to dig into it because especially when we get to the meat of this whole thing, I cannot wait. Oh, someone says, oh, wow. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. So <laughs> we have people who are watching. They're ready to dig in. But as usual, I want to take us back to the beginning. You know, when Pooja's like, you know what? I want to go into medicine. I'm going to dedicate my 20s to be a doctor. Tell us, how did it start? <laughs> so actually, from high school, um, I actually knew I wanted to be a doctor. And I love biology. I love dissecting the frog, I remember, in AP Bio. Ooh, and so I love art. <laughs> <laughs> and part of it was also my older sister is a physician. And she'd mm -hmm. already started um, a six-year program, so combined oh. undergrad and medical school. So I, I took this route wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. And so it was really from high school that I decided to take that step into the six-year program for undergrad and then um, medical school combined. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I did my undergrad at Kent State University and then graduated from Northeastern Ohio Medical University. And mm -hmm. I loved the, the six-year program. It was great. And again, so I finished two years earlier than doing the eight-year route. Mm -hmm. And met, with medicine, I wanted to help people. I, and I know, I know it sounds cliched, but I really did want to help people. Yeah. And I already had that experience of seeing my sister go through it. And so I wanted to become a physician. Mm -hmm. And so the most direct route at that point was the six-year program. And they decided to take it. And then from there, um, I went on to, to do neurology residency. After Wow. So what made you decide to do neurology? Because then now you're like, hmm, you know, I think I like science. I like dissecting that frog. It was really interesting. While Dr. Beckford at the same time is so afraid. And I was like jumping back. Shout out to my professor from uh, Montclair State, who he knows who he is, who had to help me because I'm afraid of frogs. But Dr. Pooch is like, no, I got this. You know, I love what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you get that. And then now you're like, all right, I'm in med school. Boom. I want to do neurology. So tell us, how did that come about? So I remember first year in medical school in mm -hmm. my neuroscience 
class, we had brains we had, did have to dissect also. We were going through all the different neural pathways, different cortical or different parts of the brain, and, you know, the cerebellum and learning about all the different functions. And I was like, I love the pathways. I love that you can track the pathways and you can determine where a stroke is based mm. on a, a, a patient's symptoms or their physical exam. And I love that. I love localization in neurology. Right. So it, I mean, I love that in first year medical school. And then it wasn't really until I actually got into clinical, um, the third year clinical, so that actually had more exposure to neurology. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was shadowing some people. And then I, at that point, really loved neurology. I love like, migraines. <laughs> Yes, I love migraines, stroke. I loved, um, you know, seizures. I loved it all. And also MS. I mean, I love brain, you know, spinal cord. I love all of it. And really localization is what I love the most about neurology. And so that's how I decided to do neurology. Oh, wonderful. Wow. So you really, you know, when you're really thinking about it, you're like, I love the fact that I can try to figure out from what part of the brain we're having these symptoms in the body. So you're like, I love tracking. You're kind of like the detective. You're like, you know, working backwards and tracking to see why this person is having this particular medical issue and where in the brain is this originating? And then what can I do to help? I love it. That is exactly true. I love localization. And just on the physical exam basis, you can tell where somebody has a lesion, if it's mm-hmm. especially, you know, stroke, MS. I mean, I love that about neurology. Wow. Wow. Alrighty. So now, you know, you're there, you're doing neurology for a while, but then life changes, right? You know, if you really think about it, like you said, you got into this pretty early, like you worked your butt off while those who were doing like four years, you did your four year requirement in two years. Mm -hmm. And then you went into med school and you did that additional four years and then even training for neurology and the fellowship. And then now you're working after a while, you know, things just start to change. You start to get a little burdened, right? So tell us about that part of the life where it changed and then you're like, you know what? I want to go and start helping people in this. Tell us about that. Yeah, so it was 2017. Mm-hmm. I was practicing at an academic institution. I was doing inpatient and outpatient neurology. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was on call 14 weeks a year. Mm-hmm. And I mean, 14 weeks, if you don't really know what medicine, what call is like, can be brutal. And yes. I was- Yes, <laughs> let's tell them what call is like. For those who okay. are like, oh, 14, well, they're only- 50 something weeks. So 14 is not that bad. Let them know what the call is like. So I did two types of call. I did inpatient call. And Mm -hmm. so you can be called any time of the night, morning, in the middle of the night, you woke it up multiple times to, you know, for patient care. There's always that thought in the back of the mind. Do I have to come to the hospital to see this patient in the middle of the night? Mm-hmm. And you're already working during the day, you know, 10, 12 hours, and then you may have to come in at night. You don't get that sleep. So that was one type of call. The other mm-hmm. type of call was EEG call. I was looking at um, 15 to 20 continuous EEGs and EEGs are the brain waves, looking mm-hmm. at sick patients in the ICU. And I was had to, to read them frequently to make sure they weren't having seizures because then you could treat it right away. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any help. I was the only physician. There were no EEG techs helping out. So it was literally and brutal and <laughs> reading like, and it takes a while to read EEGs. You're talking mm-hmm. 24 hours and people on for weeks yeah, yeah. sometimes. Long strip of if yeah. for those of you who've never seen EEG, if you if you have your kindergartner draw you a line, <laughs> that's an EEG. 
now if you're trying to get that is an EEG. Like it's it takes a lot of skill. I as an ER doc, I have no clue what I'm looking at. But Dr. Pooja, you know, if somebody gave me a thumbs up, they understand. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's just a squiggly line. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. So when you're doing that too, you know, for those who don't understand, like, you know, call. So, you know, Dr. Pooja is working all day. And then at night when she's on call, there's this anticipatory thing. Like I might get a phone call or more than likely you will, because why? People are having strokes. People mm -hmm. are having flare-ups of their medical issue while they're in the hospital. She might have a private patient of her, hers who got admitted and they need help. And, you know, they're like, well, I'm on this particular meds. Are we sure? And so the doctors or even the nurses might be calling her during the night. She's being, um, you know, she's waking up in the night to help with this. And then she's going back to work in the morning. And then the same thing is happening over and over and over for one week straight. So that means that weeks you might not get any sleep or any restful sleep. So that's what a call is like. So go ahead. Tell them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So literally sleeping a few hours at night. And sometimes I would do two weeks straight of call. And then oh, at that point, ooh, I had yeah, EG oh call and then inpatient call and you know, then that, that week that I'm during the time that I'm on call, I have no energy to give at home. I mean, literally then I'm not, you know, fully present when I'm with my family or kids and you can become, you know, you can become irritable with lack of sleep. And, you know, we, as you know, physicians are expected. Yeah. But this part, the other part. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes we as physicians are just expected to not sleep. I mean, and do it. And we are human too. Absolutely. And, you know, you get, you can easily burn out being Absolutely. a physician I've experienced it Absolutely. and I was like this is the time I need to take um take control of my life I don't want to continue it like that mm. and so at that point I experienced coaching I hired a coach and it really helped me to become aware of what I want what mm -hmm. my priorities are mm -hmm. and to practice self-care and yeah. also to be able to set boundaries Absolutely. and that, that really helped me, that whole mindset change and becoming more self-aware and really prioritizing myself and my family. And that yeah. was really a critical turning point. Yes. You know, it is so important that what you mentioned that, you know, you experience and you acknowledge that you experience burnout. You're like, okay, this is it. Now, before we go into really like a lot of what burnout is for others, Tell us what burnout was for you. What were your symptoms of burnout that you can, I mean, I'm pretty sure you can distinctly remember. It's like yeah. right there. So my symptoms were, I was always focused on work um, mm. and that I couldn't let go of work. Mm. I was, um, so one was the lack of sleep, irritable mm -hmm. from lack of sleep. Two was constantly focused, hyper-focusing on, did I do this right at work? Mm. Did I do that right? Very scared of like doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. And self-doubt and being mm -hmm. um, very hypercritical of every decision. Did I make the right call on that EEG? Did I make the right call on that patient? Did I diagnose mm -hmm. them properly? Mm -hmm. And then coming home and still kind of having that presence at work and not at home. And right. then really at times, I mean, that irritability, I wouldn't have it at work. But then at home at times, I would be irritable. Mm -hmm. I little kids and sometimes I'd easily get frustrated. Mm -hmm. Or even with um, my, my, my husband, you know, it happens. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we just don't really realize how quickly it can happen. Right. And then we blame ourselves. Well, what did I do wrong? Why, why can't, why am I feeling this way? Why am I not happy? And, you know, mm -hmm. 
you know, and at times, you know, you think you can't do anything, do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Like I just have to continue like this lack of sleep. And I think that's one of the things that we as physicians need to realize we can take charge and we can change that. We need to make ourselves a priority. If we need to heal ourselves first and then we can help heal others. Exactly. Physician heal thyself. Yes, absolutely. I love it. I love it. And so now you said, as someone is mentioning her, like, I love the fact that you did that mindset shift because mindset shift is huge. So when was it that you noticed like, okay, wow, you know, during part of your coaching, like my mind is like we say shifting, like I'm having a different perspective on this. Like, when did you start noticing that part? So that part I really noticed when I, so we automatically have these thoughts. We have, you know, thousands of thoughts in our head daily and mm-hmm. we're not really aware of them. They just kind of go quickly. And, and then, you know, what are we thinking and what is that? How is that causing us to feel? So really mm-hmm. it wasn't until I realized, you know, what we're thinking really causes our feelings. And then right. that helps determine what we do or what we don't do. What actions do we take? Mm-hmm. And then from there, what are our results or outcomes in life from those actions that we take? So really when I was fully aware that is, it is what I'm thinking that really affects what happens in our lives or our results is when I was more mindful and more self-aware. And that, mm-hmm. that point really was really critical for me. Mm-hmm. Before I was, you know, very irritable, negative, you know, there, there's nothing that can change in life. You know, it's always going to be like this. This is just yeah. like a physician, but it's not. Mm-hmm. When I really had that coaching to realize I can, I, I can change my mindset and I can do something about it is when I realized how mindfulness really helped me and how it can help anyone. Yeah, it's interesting just having, just tweaking your perspective. It's the same phrase, but it's tweaked into the positive. And then now you have hope, you know, instead of despair. So it's mm-hmm. like, well, I can change versus I don't see a way to change this. You know, so mm-hmm. even just that small little shift in the phrasing. And I love also what you mentioned, because it's so true. What we tell ourselves are the actions that we will perform. I can't do this. Well, their body's like, OK, well, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> if you said, boy, I wonder how can I do this? Then the body's like, well, let's try to find a way to do this. Difference. Just that small change. Alrighty, so now you're starting to notice such a big difference in your life. And then you, you know, start doing the same and you start helping others. Go ahead. Exactly. Exactly. So I actually decided to become a a certified coach because I really had such a life changing experience with coaching, Mm -hmm. getting coached. I did individual coaching, group coaching, and I decided to become a certified coach. Mm -hmm. And I think there's this wave in um, female physicians uh, to become physician coaches to help other female physicians or professionals. And I I absolutely love that. And um, so I certified at the life coach school, which Mm -hmm. is amazing program. It's a six month certification. Um, And, you know, I, even with doing the certification beyond coaching, that was even another major transition. And, so I absolutely love doing that. And now I help female professionals with burnout and, and not just physicians, you know, lawyers, I've helped coach dentists and nurses mm-hmm. and nurse practitioners and even medical students. And yeah. they can have burnout too. Yeah. And, yeah. So, and I really love helping people to realize or to coach them on mindset, self-care, self-acceptance, yes. and knowing that there is a way out. You can change your life. You can take control and it's not going to just be up to external circumstances. It is up to you. Mm-hmm. And so I really love helping people. Wow. Wow. So, you know, I love it too, because we're saying that the 
burnout, which is really the feeling of I can't do anything about the position I'm in. This is where I am. That's just the, these are the cards that were dealt to me in life. Mm-hmm. That's it. I'm just going to have to bide my time. How far am I into my career? What I need with 30 years? Oh, I'm 10 years in. Well, I got 20 more years. That's it. Like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not going to sit and tick the years off while being unhappy, um, losing our, um, all of our drive to mm-hmm. really be the best fill in the blank professional or person you are. And that's what this whole mindset shift is, is that you can actually find a balance because of course in life, we're always looking for balance, right? And mm-hmm. there's anything that we know, it's so challenging to find that balance. Now we also, you know, we've added this and some people, I know my uncles, when they listen to this, they're like, well, what about us guys? Like, I, I love y'all too. But women, <laughs> we have these added pressures on us, right? Now, are, if you're the perfect mom, then you can't be the perfect mom, the perfect wife, the perfect friend, and the perfect professional. It's just a lot to juggle, you know? And then there's this pressure, as you mentioned, right? So even during the time when you're in a burnout, you were really sitting there at work. You're like this excellent um, neurologist, but you're like, did I do the right thing? Am I doing a... This is a lot of added pressure, a lot of added pressure. And then what do you do? You bring that pressure home. And now your kids are like, mom, you want to be present with them, but you know that you're in the phase of burnout when you are unable to be present because everything from work, you're still wondering, did I make the right call? Did I read the mic? There are other doctors out there that can help that patient, but you are still (laughs) focused (laughs) on that. Oh my gosh. Alrighty. So now you're, you've put together this wonderful, wonderful program that you're there and you have. Tell us all about it. So I have a six-week group coaching program. It's called Life Beyond Burnout. And I actually have a new one starting January 9th for female professionals. And it's where we talk about self-acceptance, yeah. mindfulness, self-care, the importance of that. Because we all oftentimes let that fall by the wayside mm-hmm. as female professionals. Become so become so busy. We're like, well, I can't work out. I can't eat healthy. It just takes up too much time. But really, you don't take care of yourself later on. It's going to it's gonna haunt you. Mm-hmm. And we're talk about setting boundaries. Now, being able to set boundaries in a way where you are respecting yourself and honoring yourself, but then you're not offending others. And right. where you can still, you know, manage what you want and also the expectations of work or friends or family or, you know, what it may, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And then also talking about setting goals, you know, Sometimes we as females, we sacrifice ourselves for our family, for work, for everything else. And then, you know, who are we? What do we want out of life? You got one life. You don't get more than that. You need to make the most of it. And once you put yourself out, put yourself first, make yourself a priority and learn how to do that, you can set goals. You can try to achieve those. You know, make them a priority. Make yourself a priority. And with this group coaching, we, I have people come out becoming more confident, self-loving, self-compassionate and practicing that self-care and mindfulness to really change their lives. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love group coaching. I think that you can learn, I can learn from people that I coach. Mm-hmm. They can learn from other people in group coaching. So I love that setting. I love group coaching. I love one of the aspects too that you mentioned. Of course, you know, self-care, I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. You have the, the group, 
a self-care group um, on Facebook, the Your Caring um, group. And uh, But there's something that I think that's very great that you mentioned too, which is boundaries, something else that is so challenging. Um, it's challenging for a lot of people. It's challenging, I think, for a lot of um, us physicians. And I think it's part of our training where we, especially now, we're really trained to be all person to everyone, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and that's hard. So if uh, this person doesn't like the treatment plan that you've put together for them, then, you know, you're like, well, you have to, okay, you're up with a second or a third and they're like, mm, I don't like it. And, you know, you have to keep giving, mm-hmm. giving, 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 but where does the giving stop? Where does the giving stop for you as a professional so that you're not bringing that home, as you mentioned, the same, you know, thing that adds to the burnout. So boundaries are so challenging. And one of the things that you mentioned is that you're doing it so that the person still feels comfortable, right? Because that's hard because you don't want to, end up being all of a sudden you're a person that was a yes and a people pleaser and then you went to the complete opposite you probably won't feel authentic if you just go to the complete opposite let's talk about that right yeah so no you definitely won't i mean mm-hmm. just all of a sudden changing and most people won't do that it's a gradual progressive change mm-hmm. and you're not going to go to the polar opposite of always being like a yes person to always being a no person that just mm-hmm. that's that's just not doesn't happen normally. It's mm-hmm. where you, first of all, how do we know as females what are our boundaries? I think in the past, I would don't even think I knew what they were. You know, yes. if I was asked to take an extra week of call, well, it's okay. It's just one week of call. But really, is that something that you want to do? Are you paid for it more? Or, you know, I think oftentimes we just don't know what those boundaries are. Mm-hmm. I think when we actually sit down and think, well, do I really want to do that or do I not want to do that? Mm-hmm. Once we sit down and do that, then we can really set those boundaries. Unless you really know what your boundaries are, you're going to have trouble setting them. Absolutely. And I think once you actually know your boundaries and then you're able to tell people, well, you know, this I cannot do. I have too much on my plate or, you know, I have this other other thing I'm taking care of. Then you can do it respectfully. You can yeah. say, like, look, I just I can't do it at this time. I have too much mm-hmm. going on. And I think you can set boundaries in a way where you are honoring yourself, respecting yourself and respecting the other person who it is, whether it be family yeah. member, work boss, whatever it may be. And I think that that once we learn that, that can really help us make what our, our set what our priorities are. And once we set those boundaries, people will, will respect you even more yeah. versus always trying to be a people pleaser or saying yes to doing everything for everybody else and not for yourself. Absolutely. You know, this reminds me of, I love watching, um, Oprah was given a particular talk about boundary setting. And she mentioned that she, you know, where she was always asked to do a lot of philanthropic work, which she does, and she loved doing that. And uh, she, everyone will come to her with the sob story. Oh, she says, well, people know how much I make. So, I mean, if I say, I, I can't say I don't have it <laughs> because that's hard, right? Mm-hmm. But she got called by another famous person to, to donate to a cause that, you know, she liked the cause, but she just didn't want to donate to that one because she mm-hmm. had something else that she planned. And she said, she said, no. And the person said, okay, already. So I'll hit you up next time. And you know, the power of just saying no, first of all, Oprah thought, well, maybe this person's not going to want to be my friend anymore. And they're like, no, that didn't happen. (laughs) You know, Yeah. (laughs) the person she thought maybe the person was going to curse her out. That didn't happen. The only thing that person said was, okay, already. So we'll talk next time. 
life went on. Boundaries still set, <laughs> but they were still friends. They still hung out, but life went on, right? So it is challenging as a person who is, you know, always a, a people pleaser or so. It is very challenging, but it is doable. You know, you can do set the boundaries. It is definitely doable. You don't have to say yes to everybody and everything in life. You can say no. And life will go on. Right? And people respect you more once you set boundaries versus when you don't. Then they're just going to take advantage of you or ask you to do even more and even more. And then there's no end to it. Mm -hmm. You just keep pulling. And guess whose cup gets empty? Yours. Yeah. Guess who gets irritable? You. Gets who because you start to feel taken advantage of. And the situation is partly your fault. You mm -hmm. have to accept that too, you know. That's part of um, boundary setting, accepting the blame and what part you play in this whole situation and then trying to figure out ways to fix it. Love it. Love, love, love. All righty. Now we're talking about boundaries, talking about self-care. So, you know, I'm going to ask you, what are <laughs> you, Dr. Pooja, doing for self-care? So I like to practice gratitude. So actually what I do with my kids, I have two little kids, mm -hmm. five and seven, we try to, as much as we can, sometimes daily do gratitude. What are you thankful for today? And my kids love to do this. And they mention, you know, they're little, they mention their toys or whatnot. But I love to, to go through and do that because it makes you more appreciative of what you have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you may have more than somebody else. And that really can help you with self-care. The mm -hmm. other thing I like to do is, um, and I'm not the best at this, but I do like to journal. Um, mm -hmm. I wish I could, you know, be more consistent to do it daily. But journaling definitely helps. Being more mm -hmm. mindful of what am I thinking? What are my thoughts? How am I feeling? I mean, how in tune are we as uh, females with how we're feeling? I don't think we often are. It right. can come out with your behavior and things like that. But then once we actually write it down on paper, you're like, oh, well, I'm feeling this way. What is the word for the way I'm feeling right now? Oh. And so um, journaling and then um, trying to exercise, trying to exercise at least three days a week for half an hour. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes on vacation that doesn't happen, but you know, there's well, that's what they for. <laughs> <laughs> and then it. just being more, more mindful. I think being, yeah. that is a really big thing, being aware of what I'm thinking that really helps. Self I love that. I myself went into the mindfulness space like a, a year and a half ago, like the intentionally being mindful. Yeah. You know, people who are here and mindful who aren't really thinking about it, they're like, well, I'm always aware of what's going on. Maybe, but maybe not. <laughs> There's a difference when you're like intentionally thinking about your thoughts because that's when you realize how many negative thoughts you have daily, right? When you're ready to start something, the first, you know, when you start having the wealth, are you sure? Um, why do you think you can do that? You know, then you get in mindfulness space and you really like, you know, practicing gratitude, practicing mindfulness, it, it really gives you a reflection of how many things you have accomplished and why you can accomplish these next things. What are your thoughts? <laughs> so our brains have a negativity bias. We always tend to easily register in the negative and dwell on that. We mm -hmm. ruminate about it. Well, I made this mistake, but what if you had something else positive happen? We let that fall by the wayside and we don't yeah. celebrate those wins. It's yeah. always like, what mistakes did I make? What promotion did I not get? What did I, what did something that I wanted happen not happen? Mm -hmm. Instead of, focusing on the positive. I think that also it's just a natural tendency for our brains to do that. Mm -hmm. When we're more mindful about it, we celebrate those wins. We are happier with, you know, what happens. And, you know, being more mindful can really change your life. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. So mindfulness is if you have not or aren't practicing mindfulness, you should try it. It works. And within a few weeks, you'll start to develop that habit and you'll start to recognize when you're having negative thoughts and how to block them. Just block them. You know, like how Shaquille O'Neal. Was it Shaquille O'Neal? <laughs> I don't think it was Shaquille, but there was someone in the NBA who was good at blocking. <laughs> I'm obviously not sports inclined, so that's okay. So now we have our fun, fun, fun question of the day, Dr. Pooja. So if you weren't a doctor, what would you be? I would probably say I would have been a lawyer. Ah. I, was, <laughs> I was always... Um, think when I was younger, very, not like argumentative, but I always try to like counteract what somebody would say their point of view. Mm -hmm. And I was always used to be told, well, you should be a lawyer. You should be a lawyer. <laughs> Obviously I didn't go that route, but I think that that's something that I, I like to do. I can manage to, you know, counteract somebody's point and give a good, you know, you know, thorough explanation of my point of view. So maybe, maybe it would have been a lawyer if I oh, was in that I position. It. I love it. Oh, wow. That is great. So we have a doctor. So why, wait, you, oh, well, I understand why you didn't do the MDJD because you already did the BSMD. Woo, the BSMDJD, that would have just been a lot to do while you were in med Absolutely, absolutely love you. Alrighty, so I know that we have some people who are listening and, you know, they're watching and they're like, wow. I love, love, love this doc. I love her point of view. I love that she gets me, you know, like, oh my gosh, I would love to work with her. Where can these people find you? So they can actually find me on my website. It's www.zenfulbrain.com, zenfulbrain.com. And you can also find me on Instagram. It's at zenful, Z-E-N-F-U-L-B-R-A-I-N official. And then you could actually also find me on um, Facebook. Again, it's um, at Zenful Brain Official. And then, um, like I said, I'm having a, a six-week group coaching program starting January 9th, and I'm happy to have you in the program. Love, 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 love. So we have Victor who's tuning in from Nigeria. Thank you, Victor. Thank you, thank you so much. Alrighty, everyone, you heard it here. Dr. Pooja, she has this wonderful program. She is the Zenful Give me the Zenful official. Zenful brain. Brain official. official. How oh, could yeah. I forget? This is the neurologist. <laughs> <laughs> Our Zenful brain official. So at Zenful brain official on Facebook and on Instagram. Right. Mm -hmm, and then the website. Let's let them hear the website again. It is. It's uh, Zenful brain. So Z-E-N-F-U-L-B-R-A-I-N.com. Zenfulbrain.com. So, so she right. has a wonderful program coming out. And also, I do want you guys to know, if you are listening to this, we do have our Your Caring Society. And Dr. Pooja and I have the same goal. We are here to help you women. Yes, we understand what's going on. Um, you know, so we have our Your Caring Society that's here to help our busy professional women put their health and wellness first for just two hours a month. So if you are a person who is there and you would love to also join my program, or if you're joining Dr. Pooja's program, Dr. Pooja's program is on zenfulbrain.com. My program is the Your Caring Society, which is a part of our Your Caring Docs platform. So just go to Your Caring Docs, that's U-R-C-A-R-I-N-G-D-O-C-S.com slash society. Well, well, thank you all for watching. Thank you, Dr. Pooja. This was thank wonderful. 
Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I oh, love hey, this. Anytime, so anytime. Alrighty, so Dr. Pooja and I are gonna get off camera and then we are gonna chat some more, but we are gonna let you guys go because some of you are listening during your lunch break. You need to get back to work. Some of you need to get back to your patients. We don't want them waiting too long. So thank you all for listening and we will see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.